What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it's helpful for you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. On this uh, season of the Ask Father Josh show, I'm inviting friends to join me periodically throughout the season so that we can together collaborate and discern how we might best help you. Uh, my friends are Catholic and they are solid disciples, but they are different from me and I am different from them. And so therefore, when we respond to some of your questions, we're going to have a different take on how you might best respond to whatever it is that you're going through in this season of your life. I've been able to compile a bunch of questions, some of which were very similar, and I've been able to put them in in a more general term and category for each episode. Hopefully this will make the, the, the questions more accessible to a wider audience. If you're a first time listener, please feel free to just share the show on your social media pages to rate us or review us. When you do all this, it helps people find out about the show. If it's been good for you, it might be good for others as well. On today's show, we're going to be talking about a topic that is very important to me. Friends. Friends. How many of us have them? RSTLC says, what about your friends? What about when something, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Friend, friendships. And how do we address our friends when they are making bad choices in life? Do we call them out or do we allow them to persist? But before we get to that really great question, I want to share with you a glory story. Glory story time. So again, my glory story this week involves the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, yeah, every Sunday after Mass, I look at the upcoming Sunday Gospel for the next week and yeah, just kind of skim over the readings so I could be available to God to speak to me about the Word of God any time in the week, whether it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whenever. I want to be open to God speaking, not only when I'm in the chapel praying, but also whenever I'm at the grocery store Sure, the grocery store shopping or at the uh, at the gas station filling up my car or when I'm working out at the gym or when I'm hanging out with friends or when I'm doing ministry and counseling people or hearing confessions or offering direction for people in their discernment. So I always try to be open to God's voice. This past week, I could not perceive a word from the Lord on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, and now on Saturday. Saturday, we have the Vigil Mass at 4 o'clock p.m. It's 2 o'clock on Saturday. I still ain't got nothing. And I have confessions at 3. And I've been faithful to prayer all week long. But yeah, just I didn't. And I, I told the Lord a long time ago, I would never just preach to preach. I, I will only preach what I perceive in prayer. So if I don't think it's a message from him, I ain't saying it. And I legit thought I was about to get up in that sanctuary and say something that was just like, hey guys, uh, sorry, but it ain't gonna happen today. So, but you have to preach. You had to preach on Sunday, right? Daily mass, we have to preach. So I was like, Jesus, don't embarrass me. Well, anyways, right before I got in the confessional, I perceived God speak to me. I was like, thank you, Jesus. Is that your voice? I think it is. And, and I perceived him say, Josh, like who wrote the Psalms? And I was like, well, David, David wrote the Psalms. And then I perceived him say, well, Josh, what did David do to Bathsheba? I said, well, he used his authority and his power to take advantage of her and commit the sin of adultery. And um, he said, okay. 
And then uh, he said, and, and who wrote the second reading uh, from Romans? I said, oh, St. Paul, Paul wrote that. He said, and what did St. Paul do? I said, well, St. Paul, uh, he was responsible for the death of Stephen. And he imprisoned a lot of kids and parents and siblings and separated families from each other. Yeah, exactly. And then he said, in, in the gospel, who did I give the keys of the kingdom to? I said, well, Peter, not John. I, I would have given him to John, but you gave him to Peter. He said, exactly. And what did Peter do? I said, well, Peter denied you three times and he abandoned you and he, he cursed and he cussed my ear off. And then even after he became pope, he uh, began to lead the the church astray in Galatians when he made up rules that weren't from you. And Paul had to go and check him and correct him. And he got his life together. And he said, yeah, exactly. And is Peter a saint? Yeah, he is, right? Is Paul a saint? Yeah. And is David a man after my own heart? Yeah, according to the word of God. And I just perceived the Lord said, Josh, if I could do that then with a politician, David, with a prominent person in the community, Paul, with a, a religious leader, Peter, why could I not do that today? And I just felt inspired to invite our congregation to reflect upon politicians today that might not be uh, obedient to the teachings of the church, that might be promoting values that are not in accordance with sacred scripture, and to trust that just like God was able to convert David, God can convert our politicians today. And just as there are so many people in our community who've wounded our families and hurt our families and caused division within our families like Paul did so many years ago, God still called Paul to be St. Paul and Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament and God can convert the people in our lives who've hurt our families um, if we imitate Stephen and pray for them, right? If we fall on our knees and intercede for them. And the same thing with Peter, like God kept calling Peter even after Peter sinned. And so Peter eventually had a profound conversion of heart after he was Pope and died crucified upside down. So why can our religious leaders who we struggle with today not have conversions? Well, I'll tell you how they're not going to have conversions is if all we do is gossip about people and politicians and religious leaders. I'll tell you how they're not going to have conversions if all we do is complain about politicians and people in our lives and religious leaders. I'll tell you how they will have conversions is if we fall to our knees and offer up penance and pray and fast. Then our religious leaders today and our politicians today and people in our community today who have hurt us and who have wounded us have the capacity to become great saints and saint makers. So, um, yeah, so God, I felt like the Lord gave me that word. I was like, man, Jesus, thank you so much. And I shared it and it seemed to really resonate with our people in our community um, at Sacred Heart of Jesus because I got a lot of feedback from a lot of people saying, I felt very convicted and I'm going to pray for this particular politician now, and I'm going to pray for this person who's hurt my family now, and I'm going to pray for this religious leader who um, I struggle with, as opposed to giving it to vice and, and sinning. So blessed be God. The Lord is good. Moral of the story is, is just pray. And in God's will, wait in time, even if it's not our timing and when we want, like God will give us what we need, what we need to, to become holy and to help others become holy. With that being said, let's go ahead and jump into our topic today, which is friends. And how do we call them out? All right, so we are back. Again, our question today is this. My friend is making bad choices. Drinking, um, has been unchaste and a number of other things. Do I call this friend out? 
So um, that's a really good question. I think sometimes it's easier to look at other people out there in the world, to watch people on television, to hear other stories about others and and be very bold in how we say people should respond. But then when it becomes our friend, um, someone in our life, someone who we are in relationship with, well, then we become like a little less bold. So the first thing that we all ought to do is always reorient our attention to Jesus Christ. What does Jesus Christ say? Well, he does speak to us. He does have something to say to us about this topic, and he speaks to us primarily through sacred scripture. So if we have our Bibles, pull out our Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. Jesus says, if your brother does something wrong, go and have it out with him alone. So the first thing that you're invited to do is, is have it out with your your friend alone one-on-one between your two selves he says if he listens to you you have won back your brother if he does not listen take one or two others along with you but if he refuses to listen to these then report it to the community right so this is what jesus says uh in first timothy we we hear something similar from saint paul first timothy 5 as for those who persist in sin rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest can stand in fear. And so you first want to rebuke them one-on-one. And if they don't take that rebuke well, then it might be a cause for you to rebuke them publicly after you've tried to work with them one-on-one, two-on-one, three-on-one, within it's time for the community to get involved. Why does the community need to be involved? Well, because sometimes when the community gets involved, if it's a healthy community and a holy community, then they will all begin to pray for that person and fast for that person to encourage that person to, to repent uh, and, to, and to, to live out discipleship. As, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we are invited to, to follow the model of Jesus. Now, how did Jesus Christ do this? Well, again, he didn't just tell us what to do. He showed us. When the woman was caught in adultery, he did it one-on-one. She was sinning, to be clear. She was caught in adultery. Now, where was the man at? He was also sinning. I don't know. But she was in sin because Jesus says to her, go and sin no more. So we know she was sinning. But he says that to her one-on-one. He makes everyone else leave. And then he confronts her. When he went to the well, he knew that there would be the woman there at the well because he's God. He knows everything. She was there at 12 o'clock at noon because that's the hottest time of the day. Nobody else is there. He went there to meet her one-on-one. He didn't go to a place where she would be around other people to embarrass her. He had a conversation with her one-on-one. And before he called her out for her sins, he engaged her in conversation. He tried to cultivate a relationship with her. And then he got to the sin eventually. Jesus Christ and Peter, whenever Peter sinned against him, uh, Jesus Christ went to him, right, one-on-one, and he went for a walk with Peter after they had breakfast in John 21, and he said, Peter, do you love me? He, he, he did not do this in front of others. He pulled him to the side to, to bring about this, this conversion of heart for Peter. And so Jesus gives us a model because we're disciples of Jesus Christ. We're called to imitate Jesus Christ and, and do what he did as well, right? We must be unwilling to expose others to shame. And so Joseph, whenever Mary said yes to be the mother of God, it says he was unwilling to expose her to shame. And so she didn't do anything wrong, to be clear, but notice Joseph's posture. He's unwilling to expose Mary. Jesus Christ was unwilling to expose that woman caught in adultery. We, therefore, too, must also be unwilling to expose our, our, our dear neighbor, our friends. And so unless we have to bring it to the light for their conversion, our first step must always be to go to the person one-on-one. That's what Nathan did with David. King David was a, a great leader in his community. He was a virtuous man. He, he led his people into victory for right worship of God. He was anointed by the, by the Spirit of God. Uh, and, and, and then he became king. 
And after he became king, after he had defeated Goliath, um, after he led his people in many victories, he began to give us the vice of sloth. And when he gave him to that vice of sloth, then he wasn't attentive to his duties of life whenever uh, he gave him to the vice of Asadia and he was doing other things that weren't the things he was supposed to be doing. Uh, he became lazy and he, and he let his men fight battles without him. He, he stopped putting on his armor and then eventually he saw Bathsheba, a married woman, and he began to lust after her. And he used his power and his authority as king to take advantage of her. And, and after the affair, she's pregnant. So he tried to kill her husband and he did kill, kill her husband eventually. All these things happened, all these sins happened. And what happened to David? A friend of his, Nathan, a trusted confidant, someone who had his ear, someone who he did listen to, approached him and fraternally corrected him. Uh, and, and he did repent. He did repent and he did turn his life around. Whenever we fraternally correct people, they're not always going to repent. They're not always going to turn their life around. But if we really love them, St. Thomas Aquinas defines love as desiring their greatest good. Their greatest good is not sin. So even if they reject us, we ought to still correct them. That's what St. John the Baptist did. He corrected people and he was hated for it. Many prophets have done this throughout salvation history. The Old Testament prophets, Jeremiah, uh, uh, Ezekiel, Elijah, uh, Jonah, they would often correct people who didn't want to be corrected. And because of it, they oftentimes were persecuted. Jesus Christ himself was persecuted. Uh, so... I must be willing to lose a friendship for the sake of their salvation, if possible. But uh, I want to give you uh, a few things practically that might help you to better communicate fraternal correction to your friends whenever you know that they're doing things that aren't good for them. So I came up with an acronym. DTCPP is an acronym uh, that stands for Dynamics Matter, Timing Matters, Communication Matters, Processing Matters, Prayer Matters. And so, uh, because people matter, right? So D, dynamics. Dynamics of the relationship matter. And so it's important to consider the dynamics of your friendship. Are you and that friend close enough? And do they respect you? Do they trust you? Do they feel safe with you for you to be the one to deliver a message of correction? Or is there someone else who they might better receive that correction from? And so if there's someone else who they might better receive that correction from, who's also aware of their sin, then it might be best for that other person to be the one to communicate. However, if they can receive that correction from you, like David received it from Nathan, like the woman called adultery received it from Jesus, then certainly then you pray about how to deliver that. Number two, timing matters. Determine a time, all right, uh, of when you correct somebody. Has there been a sufficient amount of trust that has been cultivated in the relationship. See, some people, we have to pray about when we begin to correct them, right? So if I meet somebody, we're not super close, and I find out that they're sleeping with somebody else, and the very first thing I say is, uh, you're in mortal sin, right? That, that's, that's probably not going to be received too well. And so uh, one model that I've done with people who I've walked with is is I've, I've encouraged them uh, to follow the, the, the three B's. The three B's are you belong, right? I know that you are, are currently married outside the church, but I want you to know that you belong in our church, right? Obviously, we don't want you to receive communion right now, but we do want you to uh, come and join Bible study. Um, we want you to come and uh, participate in our food pantry. We want, we, we want you to come and serve our poor throughout our community by making St. Vincent and Paul visits. 
We want you to come to adoration and praise and worship. We want you to come to Mass. We want you to come worship God at Mass. We don't go to Mass to receive communion. We go to Mass to worship God. So we want you to come. We want you to know that you belong here, that you're necessary. And and really develop a relationship with that person. So to let your friends know that they belong. Um, and then uh, what comes from they belong is they will eventually begin to believe what the church teaches because they feel at home with the church. And then once they believe, then they will behave as Jesus Christ invites us to behave. This happened whenever I was in a previous parish where uh, the gospel was proclaimed on a Sunday and the gospel was about marriage and divorce. And when this couple heard the gospel, they had been invited to mass by one of their friends who had recently become a disciple through Bible study and retreats. Their friend invited them to mass and the gospel was marriage and divorce. And they'd been married and divorced multiple times without the annulments, without deaths uh, happening. And they were so upset they walked out of mass. And they felt judged. They felt condemned. Even though they didn't even hear the homily, they just heard the gospel proclaimed. And so their friend came to me and said, what do I do? Like, this is like, I don't understand. What, what? And I said, just keep reaching out to this friend of yours and invite this friend to your, your Bible study. Invite this friend to your house to go fishing with you. Make sure they know that they are loved by you, that they belong. And so this friend did this. Kept inviting him to go fishing, have coffee, breakfast, and Bible study. And eventually the friend did all that. And through Bible study, this friend saw that, that, that he was loved by the whole community, by the, all the guys in Bible study who knew his situation. And he kept going because he felt at home with them. Well, after a few months of Bible study and friendship and fellowship, he began to really fall in love with the Lord. And then one day in Bible study, they came across that passage that he heard at Mass before he knew the Lord, before he knew he belonged to this community. And now that he was in a relationship with the Lord, when he heard the rule of the Lord about marriage and divorce, he he believed him. And he changed his behavior. And he told his wife, he said, we have to get our, our annulments and we need to get our marriage sacramentalized. And we need to live with brother and sister until then. Uh, see, the rule now mattered because he was in the right relationship. And so he was able to have this conversion because it was a time, right? They trusted that we have, we have time to walk with this particular friend. Timing mattered, right? They, they waited, and, and it was actually the Lord himself who convicted him. Um, and so in other cases, we, we want people to, to experience this love and this mercy and this, 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 this invitation. And then we're the ones, like Nathan, who are going to be called by God to actually have the conversation with them. But whenever they know we love them, whenever they know that they are necessary members of our community, oftentimes they will receive the correction, not as rejection, but they, they receive the correction as, as love. Um, so not only did the dynamics of the relationship matter, but so does the timing. So DTCPP. All right, so timing matters. All right. But once we've determined the best time, um, then communication matters. We need to identify how does this person that I now know best receive fraternal correction? Do they receive it best over the phone? Do they receive it the best in person? Do they receive it best via email? a text message, um, how do they receive it? Some people process differently. Some people receive correction best through email. They need to read it. They need time to process. Uh, some people receive best one-on-one. -on -one. Some people receive best over the phone in a conversation. So how does this person receive best and what are my gifts as far as communicating best? So communication always matters. We can't say just because I receive it best this way that this person will receive it best this way. As we get to another person, how do they communicate best? Finally, processing matters. Once they've received the correction, give them time to process, right? Maybe they weren't aware of the rule of the church. Maybe they weren't aware that what they were doing was a mortal sin, it was very serious, it was detrimental to their, their relationship with God and the church, their salvation. Give them time to process. Give them time to be upset. I remember when I, I, I walked with a, a, a lesbian couple once, many years ago, 
And I first developed a friendship with this couple. And after becoming good friends with them and, and loving them well and, and them seeing that I, I wanted them to be on, on the team, I wanted them to be a part of the church, uh, the, the, the question of, of gay marriage came up and I, I gave them the church's teaching and I invited them to be sisters to be to be holy friends, to, to certainly still love each other um, and 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 care for each other, but to care for each other in a holy friendship as sisters in Christ and, and not as wives. And at first uh, they received it and then they went home and didn't receive it so well. And then they rejected me for a season and and then they came around and 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 received it because they saw it was, it was from the Lord that it was it was an invitation for them to become saints and um, and now we're good and 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 they're good and, and they are are no longer together intimately um, but they are friends and they are are holy friends um, and they're they're holy <laughs> they're really holy uh, but again I gave them time to process I allow them to get mad at me to reject me because um, it's okay for them to have time to process however they process best. And finally, the most important piece is pray. Prayer matters. Praying for the gift of tongues before we communicate, praying for them to have the gift of interpretation tongues as we communicate, praying for the Father's heart for them. God, give me a heart for this person. Praying for timing, praying for their salvation, um, praying for, for us to, to, to be open to receiving criticism on how we deliver the message if we didn't deliver it well. Pray. Prayer matters. Prayer. God, give me your mind. Give me your heart for this person, for the situation. Uh, and, and he can do that and he will do that. And so prayer matters. So it's DTCPP, dynamics, the relationship matter, the timing matters, the communication style matters, the processing of the event matters, and also most importantly, prayer matters. So to your question, if your friend is making bad choices, do you call them out? Yes, they need to be called out. But all those uh, factors are important into how, when, uh, and where, and by whom they're called out. So with that being said, let's go take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk to you about a whole friendship. I'm Mark Hart, and I want to share with you an exciting new series called Venture, the Bible Timeline for High School. Now, let's be honest. The Bible is easily the most confusing, most misunderstood book of all time. How do these random time periods, these random people, these random stories all fit together? And what do they mean for me and for my life? In this study, we're going to take a journey through the basic story of Scripture from Genesis through Revelation, so that by the end of it, Teenagers will understand the big picture of salvation history. Because when we come to know the story, we come to know our place in the story. To find out more and get a free preview of this engaging new study, visit ascensionpress.com backslash venture. All right, and we are back. And so today I'm going to tell you a story about two holy members in the body of Christ uh, who, again, uh, like Barb, she was on the show I talked about, uh, with regards to dating, uh, these two disciples are not canonized saints yet, but certainly they have the capacity to be saints. And I think that um, they are our models and witnesses of holiness for all of us. And so uh, who are these these holy men that I'm talking about right now? I'm talking about uh, a guy by the name of Jean Baptiste, the Baron of Renty, uh, and Henry Michael Bush, who was a shoemaker. And so the the Baron of Renty, John Baptiste, he he was wealthy. He was a holy Catholic. And so I know sometimes I meet Catholic lady and they're like, and I want to live a simple life. And yeah, that's great. 
live a simple life, be holy. Uh, but if you have financial resources, you can still live a simple life, but be generous with your wealth, right? So you don't, you can still live poverty while, while you financially have the means to support the church. And so that just requires a lot of discipline on your, your behalf. But to have money isn't a bad thing because you can use your money to build soup kitchens and homeless shelters and help parishes to operate, help schools to exist. So your money can be used in good ways. And so this guy, Jean Baptiste, he was a, a guy who had a lot of money and he used his money as a philanthropist. Um, and so he then went on to meet this guy named Henry Michael Bush. And Henry Michael Bush was a poor man, another disciple of Jesus Christ, who had been evangelizing his community through, get this, the making of shoes. Through his making of shoes, he used that secular thing to make disciples. So he didn't try to be a priest. Sometimes I think when lay people are growing in holiness, there's a temptation to spend all the time in the church. No, he lived in the world. He worked in the world. Um, but in the world, in the secular space, he made disciples where he was at. And, uh, and so, but he needed funding to, to be able to have more time to do this. And so the Baron, when he became aware of, uh, of, of Henry's needs, he said, how about this? What, what, if, what if I give you a lot of money and I, I help you to bring your vision that you have been experiencing in prayer for a long time to, to life? I want you to be a master of this of this trade that you're working in, in, in shoemaking. And so he put his money to this man, to this person, and other people like him. So they were able to to live with this devotion of of working, of serving, of sharing with the poor, and of making disciples. They he as a friend, he trusted him. They had a holy, holy friendship. And because of their holy friendship, because of their um, their lack of jealousy toward the other, they were able to receive each other's gifts and recognize where they weren't gifted at and where the other was and say, well, here's what I'll do to support you. And here's how I'll use what you're giving me to build God's kingdom. And so they lived out an informal rule of life, but as a community of, of holy lay people, and a lot of people were able to join them and serve more poor and evangelize and share the gospel uh, because of their their friendship. And so uh, holy friendships are really important. And so I, I want to encourage us to, to develop holy friendships, to, to, to not settle for mediocre friendships, uh, to not settle for sinful friendships, but to strive to be saints and to be around people who are also striving for sainthood. Speaking of saints, um, I, I'm asking for the intercession through all the saints, but specifically through the intercession of servant of God, Julia Greeley, for the healing of one of my parishioners, Julia Dykes. And so I just want to invite you to join me in this prayer. Repeat these words after me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, in your name and through your power, we ask that you heal Julia Dykes of cancer. In the name of Jesus, Julia, be healed. In the name of Jesus, Julia, be healed. In the name of Jesus, Julia, be healed. We ask this prayer, Heavenly Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Servant of God, Julia Greeley, pray for us. In the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for tuning in. I look forward to continuing our walk with each other. Hopefully we can all become saints. God bless. Mm -hmm.